0: Welcome to Let's Talk About Books, Baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. This is Anita Kelly, and my guest today is Sam Liddell. Hi, Sam.
1: Hi. How are you? I am doing so well. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yes, thank you, and thank you for putting up with all my te- technical difficulties this evening. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> You're very patient. <laughs> uh, so, so Sam, let's... Uh, let's talk about books all um, right and let's talk about your books so um you had uh, one of your your most recent releases came out in this past july um and that was called worth a fortune is that
1: correct that's correct all right and so can you tell us about worth a fortune yeah, absolutely. So, Worth of Fortune is a post-World War II reunion romance. It follows two women, Harriet Browning and Ava Clark. Harriet is a lumber heiress experiencing hard times due to a couple of things, the shift in the timber industry at the time, as well as the shrinking of the American aristocracy after two world wars. So she discovers her financial situation is actually pretty bad, (laughs) so worse than she thought. Um, And that kind of ends up turning her into a bit of a recluse. Um, She feels kind of adrift, and she retreats into herself and to her Fifth Avenue apartment. Meanwhile, Ava, um, she has been working for the war effort, but now that the war is over, she's without a job. And she's definitely experienced some hard times over the years. But she's pretty reluctant to admit just how kind of down and out she really is. So Harriet and Ava, they were college lovers, but Harriet broke things off the day of their graduation. She um, bowed to convention and married a wealthy man following her parents' orders, essentially leaving Ava brokenhearted and unable to kind of understand how somebody like Harriet, who has the world at her fingertips, could um, not just do whatever she wanted. So Um, 15 years pass, Harriet begins to grow pretty desperate in her financial situation. So she decides to hire a personal secretary to kind of take care of day-to-day things so she can sort out her financial situation. And the last thing she expects is for Ava to be one of the women showing up for the job.
0: How about that? (laughs) And that's how they reconnect, huh? Yep, that's it. Wow. So... I'm, I'm hearing more or less this is a an historical uh, romance.
1: Yes, that's correct. It takes place in the 1940s. Wow,
0: great. So did you have to do a lot of research
1: um, because it's uh,
0: set back in time?
1: Yes, I definitely did. Um, fortunately, I'm a person who does quite enjoy the research aspect of Writing historical fiction. So I got to kind of nerd out for a while. (laughs) Um, But I definitely had to do a lot of research. I I know kind of the generic things about New York, even New York in the 40s, but I'm from Texas originally, so I'm not (laughs) that experienced when it comes to anything um, really north of Oklahoma. Um, (laughs) So I I visited once as a kid, but that was it. Um, So, yeah, I had to definitely do my research. I did a lot of research on the train system, on the neighborhoods. You know, I had, had all the maps out and everything, making sure I understood where the characters were traveling. Um, and I even found an old layout of a, of an old uh, apartment on fifth Avenue, which was the model I used for Harriet's, um, apartment.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Where'd you find that?
1: Um, oh, I wish I could remember the site, but it was, uh, I mean, just somewhere online, I was able to find a bunch of old, um, old layouts that were just really great so I just you know I printed one out and kind of shifted some rooms around a little bit but that was that was Harriet's home for the book
0: Wow that is really cool that's <laughs> that is that's great so um your most of your research then was done online is that?
1: Yeah, I'd say most of it was online. I do go to the library from time to time and try to see what I can find there, mm-hmm. um, my local library. But a lot of research ends up being done online or just reading other um, other books written in that time period, either written about it or during that specific time period.
0: Okay. So did you have to go back and and look at like like languages um, and you know um, clothing
1: styles and um, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Definitely. I knew a little bit of pop culture and like the clothing and the dialogue a little, uh, granted it's, you know, the classic movie dialogue that I'm familiar with. I'm a big classic movie fan. Um, that probably so, <laughs> it did. Yeah. It kind of helped to have at least an idea of how the the wealthier people in the story would, would speak. Um, and, um, that kind of quick, quick wit that they all seem to have in those movies I got to kind of pull a little bit from that for some of the the characters um and yeah I got to dive into some attire look up some old recipes and and uh music it was it was really fun to do that research
0: oh that is fun I didn't even think about that so so would that be like the swing era a big Um, band
1: era yeah, kind of around there, yeah. I think, like, Bing Crosby and all of that.
0: Ah, the crooners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, um, oh, that's really cool. So what, can you name a movie that would, like, depict that era? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm of course on I on say sp- that. I'm putting and on I'm going to yeah. get
1: my that's all decades right. wrong. I think of, like, any Cary Grant film, like His Girl Friday.
0: Okay. Love, um, that. love that
1: yeah that's probably one of my um I think that one just makes the cut I think it's 1940 um okay all right <laughs> um that's so cool yeah yeah lots lots of Cary Grant Rosalind Russell um okay. even like Frank Sinatra he may use a little bit later I think um yeah. but yeah all okay. of those guys okay. I'll stop myself before I get carried okay. away all right. that's so cool
0: <laughs> so um you know, watching classic movies uh, helped you kind of probably pick and choose what you wanted to include in here, right? Um, it did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. And and has
1: your book been well
0: received? Um,
1: yeah, I as far as I can tell, um, I was. Uh, fortunate enough to get a write-up in Publishers Weekly about it, which was really cool. Wow, um, that is yeah. really cool. <laughs> yeah, that was I. It was completely unexpected. And my publisher, Bolt Strokes, they they sent me an email and they were like, "Hey, have you seen this?" <laughs> and I said, "Nope, <laughs> sure haven't." <laughs> um, and so they sent me that, and they were actually really great. They even sent me a printout of like the physical, um, like magazine page. Oh, um, that's so that, nice. Yeah, that had that in there. So that was really great, and yeah, I mean, I think I I tried to do that time period justice. I know I'm not going to get everything right about it, but I did my best to, um, you know, to do justice to 1940s New York.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. That's great. <laughs> so, um, then Sam, you have coming out, um, I think later this year, mm-hmm. you have another novel that is actually available for pre order. On the BSB website. Um, yes. I saw that, and that is called Heart of Stone. Mm hmm. Okay. Can you tell us
1: about that? Yes, definitely. Um, so, Heart of Stone, very different than Worth of Fortune. <laughs> um, Heart of Stone is in the fantasy genre, and ah. it's a spin off kind of from the Odium trilogy, which is my. Uh, fantasy adventure series that I that I've written. Um, so it it takes place in the same world. The um, in book two of the Odium trilogy, I actually introduced two characters. Um, they're twins, um, and they were super fun to write. And I actually got a lot of positive feedback on them, considering how minor of a characters that they were in that book. They really just kind of pop in and pop out, but people seem to really um, take to them. And I actually had every intention of putting them in book three of the series, but unfortunately they just didn't work out that way. There was no room for them. Um, But I had those two characters in the back of my mind ever since. And when I was toying with the idea of um, kind of redoing the Gorgon myth, um, I decided that that could be a good way to bring in those two characters into that story. Um, So Heart of Stone kind of looks at a couple things. It looks at the Gorgon myth that kind of asks the question of like, what makes that a myth? What perpetuates it? Why do some myths become kind of fearsome and terrible like Medusa and the Gorgon women, mm-hmm. not to mention, why is it always women who are, you know, um, terrorizing people of the world, <laughs> um, and people so people are afraid of women, and they should yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, so one of the main characters um, is. Uh, a gorgon her name is Maeve and she she lives alone she ever she has ever since her mother left when she was young for some mysterious reason that you might have to read to find out why okay um and she is kind of i mean she's a product of of isolation show so her social skills are a little stunted um this was this was my quarantine story um <laughs> there I, you go. I i i promise it's exciting but it is you know it does have a character who has just kind of been been isolated for a really long time Mm -hmm. and so she ends up meeting um kiva who was one of those twins i mentioned before and she's the princess and her life is the exact opposite she she's um you know going to festivals she's running meetings she's taking um she's partaking in physical contests her her life is a life of luxury um so i was kind of interested to see what happens when two people from those very different worlds meet one another. Um, And um, of course, along the way, it is an adventure story and a fantasy story. So Kiva is trying to keep her mother on the throne because she's dying. So she's trying to find a way to keep her on the throne. Whereas Maeve is dealing with um, some lies that have kind of kept her in her life of isolation. So what happens when these two people meet and what happens um, as they kind of try to navigate their their stories side by side.
0: Wow. And it also it sounds like maybe Tiva is more of an extrovert and uh Maeve is this introvert.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm, okay. Definitely.
0: So another thing going on there. And mm-hmm. you mentioned the is it the Odium. Was it Odium? Yes, the Odium Trilogy. Trilogy. Mm-hmm. So that is another um, set of books that you have published with PSP, correct?
1: Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Huh? It's a, uh, a fantasy adventure series that has a romance wrapped up inside of an epic journey. Um, I pulled I actually pulled a lot from Irish and Gaelic mythologies for for that trilogy in terms of world building. Um, And and it's the romances between a princess. So you can sense a theme between my fantasy books. There's a princess (laughs) and then there's somebody who is not a princess (laughs) um, that they fall for. Um, And. Um, in the Odium trilogy, it's a, it's the princess and then um, it's a social outcast who actually despises the royal family. So a bit of enemies to lovers in that one. Um, nice. And yeah, and it's just a lot of fun. There's there's elemental magic. There's a variety of mythological creatures from hedge witches to selkies, pukas. And of course, there's an evil villain that has to be defeated. So that one was a lot of fun to write.
0: Well, I have no idea what you're talking about when you say pukas <laughs> and vilas. I, um Is that like a something that you would usually see in a, a fantasy novel?
1: Perhaps you know I've only read maybe one other story where a puka did show up, um, but when I have a ton of a ton of books that I just kind of uh, thumb through when I'm kind of low on the creativity well and I want an interesting character, interesting creature, and the puka showed up one day and it's this, in my opinion, mildly terrifying giant bat-dragon combo. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, sort of like, I guess, like a werewolf meets a bat would be a better description. Wow. Um, yeah, it yeah. doesn't
0: sound like someone you'd <laughs> want to bring home to dinner. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's just, it's just kind of fun to take these these creatures that have been around in stories for a while and see if I can kind of tweak them a little bit for my story.
0: Okay, great. That's fun. So do you have a <laughs> background in
1: mythology? Um, I wish I could say yes to that. If by background, you mean uh, just a lifelong interest, then yes. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, but no formal, yeah.
0: formal education in it?
1: I took some classes in college. I was a creative writing major and I did, I was able to take some, uh, some courses in mythology. Um, and they were, they were great. They were really interesting. I just, I have a passion for it. So I, I usually am always reading, um, about it if I'm not writing about it. So, um,
0: you are a reader then?
1: Yes, I am. And, and are you
0: currently reading anything good?
1: Um, yeah, I actually, I finally have been able to get some reading done. I, I struggle to read when I'm writing.
0: Yeah, I can understand um,
1: that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at the end of 2022, I read a story. Um, it was called In an Instant, which weirdly was not fantastical. Um, It was a contemporary fiction. um, But it had been a while since I'd read a book that had kept me on the edge of my seat. Um, But this one, this one did. It's about a really tragic car accident that two families get into. And it um, looks at kind of everybody's true face in an instant of trauma or terrible circumstances, how how those instances really reveal a lot about who we are yeah. um, and the decisions that we're willing to make in really dire, dire situations. And that book did a, just, in my opinion, a really good job of taking a magnifying glass to that and seeing people's true colors in those situations. Wow. Um, and so Sounds that one intense. was really great. Yeah, it was intense. Yeah, it was a page turner. And right now I'm reading Alone by E.J. Noise. I'm going to say that wrong. Um, uh, Bella Books author, okay. um, but it's it's really good. I love it so far.
0: Okay. Good. Great. Yeah. I'm not familiar <laughs> with EJ, but uh, and and so I couldn't tell you. We'll say you you pronounce the name correctly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but you know when you say in an instant, I just saw a movie preview for something that that sounds like that. Oh. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, who was in it? Boy, it, it looked it looked really good. It was um, it's coming out soon, um, mm. and uh, it's uh, oh, is it Natalie Pugh? It might be. Um, and um, she is in an accident, and uh, her family is uh, affected, and so is her fiance's family and uh it's just about everything that happens between them um oh wow yeah yeah it's uh it it looks really really good really intense has um i i can't remember who it was now but i remember (laughs) thinking wow that's a great cast
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. definitely sounds similar to that book too i wonder if they're connected in any way
0: yeah that's what i was thinking i wonder oftentimes great movies are uh taken from great books so yes absolutely yeah Yeah. cool Um, so your odium trilogy um, Mm -hmm. is not really connected to heart of stone, but we do see some recurring characters.
1: Yes. You'll see the two twins from book two and there may or may not be a few cameos from the characters in the trilogy, but people will have to read to find out.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. All right. So it, it really sounds like you, you cross over genres, like from, um, you have a historical fiction and Mm -hmm. these other fantasy romances. Um, and, um, you know, of course they're all romance novels, but Mm -hmm. what do you find is your favorite, uh, in which to write and work?
1: Hmm. You know, I have been thinking about that a lot and I still don't, have a definite answer, <laughs> I'm okay. afraid. Um I think I love both for different reasons. Uh Tell fantasy, us about that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Fantasy, for me, it's wonderful because it's, well, it's fantasy. I get to make things up, which is mostly really fun mm-hmm. and sometimes extremely difficult. I definitely realize the limits of my imagination with fantasy. <laughs> um, you know, I Take the time to build this world and realize, oh, now I need to make the rules for this world. Yeah, (laughs) Um, but just building a world,
0: you must have one heck of a great imagination. So kudos uh, to you.
1: Oh, thank you. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I've just, I've always been drawn to fantasy as a genre for its escapism, but also for its ability to use these fantastical, magical elements and worlds and people to tell stories that are relevant to the world that we do live in. Um, And I feel like fantasy does a good job of making difficult themes more palatable, more digestible in a way, Mm -hmm. um, and can be a really good tool for teaching really important lessons, but in in a sort of it's almost cloaked, if you will. Like it's not necessarily obvious, but it has a way of kind of getting in and and making you look at things in a in a way that you might not if it was given to you in the form that you're familiar with in the everyday. Um, yeah. and also growing up, fantasy just equaled different, and I always felt a little bit different, so I was drawn to it from the get-go. Okay. And, uh, and so yeah, what about, and then,
0: what about like history? Do you, do you like history? Um, yeah, yeah.
1: I, uh, I, I, love history. Like I think I mentioned earlier, I, I love research. I, I was a history minor, so I've also just always been into just learning about the past. Okay. <laughs> um, what's like your favorite to... era? Oh gosh. Favorite era. Um, that's a, Good question. <laughs> all of them. Um, <laughs> all of them. I like them all for different reasons. Uh, I don't know if I'd really want to be a woman before a certain time period, but yes, um, yes. <laughs> But I appreciate all of them for the different things that were created or blossomed out of them mm-hmm. um, for the most part. Um, yeah. And I just, I like trying to understand how people lived and what influenced changes in society over time and, and when it comes to sapphic fiction, what I what I write, I almost um, approach my historical romances with an altered lens. My editor actually once commented um, that my stories sound almost like alternative history and maybe they are to an extent. Oh, wow. Um, I I understand, of course, the reality of what it meant to be queer, LGBTQ plus, you know, 150, even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I I also know that queer folks have existed for even longer than that. So with Mm -hmm. my historical romances, I kind of want to provide a beacon of light in times that were generally quite dark for, for queer people. I mean, we've probably seen a lot of the sapphic movies that come out. They're dark, they're muted, they're forbidden tales. And I get that. I understand the reality behind those films and those stories, but I also think there should be some balance. I think we deserve some balance and, So some people might say aspects of my historical romances are unrealistic, like Harriet's sister-in-law, for example, in Worth a Fortune, she doesn't really bat an eye at her and Ava's romantic history. Is that historically accurate? Maybe not, but... Who's knows? to say some yeah who's to say some kind hearted souls didn't exist in 1940s New York um so perhaps it's a bit optimistic even unrealistic of me but i want to write stories for people who love historical fiction and sapphic romance and want to see those two things combined in a way that leads to a happily ever after well before the invention of the internet <laughs> yeah
0: and and i have to believe that there were those folks out there i mean we mm-hmm. wouldn't Have gotten where we are today without allies. Yes. Um, So there, there had to be. There absolutely Uh, had to be.
1: Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah. Um. So,
0: when you go about writing, whether it's um historical fiction or fantasy, um, do you plot things out and outline and and or do you just kind of figure it out as you go along? Um. And has maybe even has this process changed for you um, as you've developed your writing skills? Yeah.
1: um, I would say to answer the second part first, yes, it has absolutely changed (laughs) since I um, first started writing Um, a long time ago on a panel I did with bold strokes I joked about how my first novel writing experience felt like parts of that beautiful mind movie I don't know if you're familiar yes, with it yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Where there were there were just words floating everywhere there was pages taped to my wall there were random scribbles on every surface of my room it was chaos to say the least <laughs> um, and what did you was... do
0: with those random scribbles just <laughs> throw them all together
1: I I somehow did I managed I I wrote that book my first book completely out of order it was a bunch of random scenes that I somehow miraculously with the help of my editor (laughs) managed to find kind of like a, a through line and find the plot and the pace and everything like that I knew what I wanted to do but I I was a newbie and I didn't really know how to organize it all um So I have definitely evolved since then. I've become more of a plotter. I was a bit of a pantser (laughs) um, in the beginning. Um, And I mostly have become more of a plotter thanks to the trilogy um, because I had to plan that. There was really not a lot of wiggle room when it comes to writing three books in a series that have to have a plot carry over from book one all the way to book three. Um, yeah, so I that imagine. actually,
0: yeah, that takes a lot more work and thought yeah, than yeah, just kind of sitting down and winging it.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't get away with winging it, even <laughs> if I wanted to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I was told I should probably try not to do that. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for the feedback on the trilogy because it really did help me. Um, structure things a bit more. I still don't consider myself a plotter, like with my latest books, with my historical romances, there was a bit more structure, but I'm I'm not somebody who relies on um, like hitting a certain quota or mapping out each chapter. I kind of have highlights or beats that I know I want or need to hit within a story. Yeah. But what happens in between those is kind of up in the air until I'm writing it.
0: Okay. All right, that's good. That sounds like a good compromise.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. So you know, um,
0: your um, your work so far, right? It seems like um, the odium and and heart of stone are more future oriented. Would you say? Or um, just other world yeah, oriented.
1: Yeah, I guess it could be the future. Other world oriented might be yeah, probably the better fit i
0: think okay mm-hmm. and then um worth a fortune is past oriented so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering if you have ever written just a like a contemporary novel um or if you have ever considered writing a contemporary novel
1: Yes. And I have actually my first novel, the one that was complete chaos before it was finished. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That um, is called Rocks and Stars. And that is a uh, contemporary coming of age story. It's called Rocks and Stars. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: And, And is that published with Bold Strokes
1: also? It is. It is published with Bold Strokes. Yep. That was the one that I was fortunate enough to kind of help me get my foot in the door through all of this.
0: Oh, excuse me. Okay. All right, great. We'll have to check that one out. I, I didn't, yeah. I missed that one.
1: Oh, no problem. Yeah. It's, um, I think it came out in 20, 2018 or 2019. I don't remember. Um, now, but yeah, that was, that was the first one that was near and dear to my heart for the fact that it was my first one. Um, so that one will always be special for me.
0: Oh, okay. So, um, is that, your most favorite novel, you think?
1: Um, it's not my favorite. Okay. Um, yeah, it's but just it your is your
0: most near and dear. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, what is your favorite? What's
1: which one's been your favorite to write? Um, so, my favorite novel is actually Wildflower Words, uh-huh. um, and there's I guess a couple reasons for it. The first is that the characters. And the setting came really quickly and really easily to me, which was really nice. (laughs) Um, And it just, it has like a sweet kind of cozy feeling for me. And I felt that the entire time I was writing the story. And I think the biggest reason it's my favorite is because of where I was in life when I was writing it. Um, I was about halfway through the first draft when the long-term relationship I was in ended. Um, And as yeah. happens sometimes with breakups, life felt completely upside down. Yeah. Um, I felt pretty lost and for lack of a better word, um, kind of was just feeling just adrift. Yeah. And Understandable. Um, yeah, and so I even, you know, I did the whole dramatic uprooting of my life. I moved back home for a while. My life was kind of like a movie, but in the worst of ways. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I'm somebody who believes everything happens for a reason. And of course that turned out to be a blessing in disguise. But in regards to the story, I, when I was writing that at that point, I was certain there, there was no way I could finish it. I was full on believing love was a lie. There was no happiness in the world. Um, everything was dark and gloomy. Um, but the story didn't let me go. And Wildflower Words ultimately is a story of hope and dark times. And I ended up kind of clinging to that hope and managed to give the characters the story that they deserved, which was a happy ending despite the circumstances and the times. So for that, it's my favorite.
0: Oh, that's so nice. That's great. That's great. And and that was published in January of last year, right? yes Mm -hmm. and and so you wrote that during the pandemic or i
1: did yes that was during the pandemic Mm
0: -hmm. okay all right yeah so it takes a while between when it actually gets published and you're writing and it takes about Mm -hmm. like it's like almost a year's process right yeah i'd I'd say so about a year Mm -hmm. so you have had what like well six six books published already Yes,
1: that's correct. That's awesome. That's a short amount of time, really. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as you know, awful as the pandemic has been and is, I it did provide me with more time, yeah. um, which I was fortunate enough to be in the right headspace to be able to utilize that time. Yeah. Um, so that um, that kind of helped. <laughs> yeah. So, what
0: what keeps you writing, and what do you enjoy about it?
1: Um, Oh, good question. I feel like everything, I enjoy everything about writing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, no, no. You
1: can't say that. (laughs) uh, Okay. I don't enjoy, um, I guess, having to, um, like, the point sometimes where you reach where, you know, the ideas are in your brain somewhere, but you have to really kind of sift through everything and, and tear them out. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that part can feel really arduous. Um, and Let's, makes me kind of, uh,
0: I'm go sorry, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, it's less creative. It's kind of breaking up the creative flow.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that part, I don't really care for it It makes me want to kind of just bang my head against the computer, but, um, (laughs) but for the most part, I really, I truly love writing. I've loved it for so long. And the one thing that hasn't really changed about writing that I love is how cathartic it is. Um, Right. Writing has always been my outlet. I've always expressed myself better in writing Um, when my thoughts are jumbled or when I'm overwhelmed when something is kind of just stuck inside of me, I always turn to pen and paper. Um, and I'm going to date myself with this song lyric reference. <laughs> um, but the, I think it's an Anna Nollick song. I don't even know if I said her name right, but she has a lyric that says, if I get it all down on paper, it's no longer inside of me threatening the life it belongs to. I feel like that is exactly what it is for me. Wow. Um, That's what journaling is so- all about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So no matter what form it takes, I feel like I always am writing in in some form or fashion. And that's a big part of what keeps me keeps me going when it comes to writing. In regards to my novels, as long as the ideas keep coming to me, I'm going to try to put them down on paper.
0: Oh, fantastic. (laughs) Um, So, all right, Sam, here's we're going to play truth or dare. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Tell us one thing that no one knows about you. And and it can be related to writing. It can be related to you personally.
1: (laughs) Um, hmm. Well, I was going to share something, I guess, less exciting, but the truth or dare thing makes me want (laughs) to think about that a little more.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) I mean, nobody. I was thinking more people who read my books might not know I was in the Peace Corps. Cool. Um, When were you in the Peace Corps? I was in the Peace Corps from 2014 to th- to 2016.
0: Great, and where were you stationed?
1: I was stationed in southern Peru in a town called Ica, which is about four hours southeast of Lima. Oh wow, that's mm-hmm. so cool! Did you yeah, like, it did was you like that. Oh yes, it was one of, if not the best experience of my entire life. Oh, good for you. <laughs> That's great, so yeah, it was it was a f- really fun time, uh, it sounds
0: like yeah, I had a friend who was in the peace corps. He wasn't that lucky he um ended up um, uh, having nutritional problems um he wasn't mm-hmm. getting enough nutrition um where he was, um, so he actually had to leave um and come, oh okay, come. yeah
1: yeah that's that was pretty common. I'd say probably a third of my group that I went with had to be medically um uh evacuated is an extreme word, but you know had to leave the country due to um health reasons yeah
0: yeah mm-hmm. understandable yeah. yeah we don't know how lucky we are right yeah that's true yeah 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 so um, Sam, do you have any parting words for our listeners today
1: um Hmm. I guess if, I don't know, any readers or writers are out there listening, um, I'm somebody who always enjoys recommendations. So if you have recommendations on, on books, send them my way. Um, I was trying to think of something motivational <laughs> to share. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess if you're a writer, I think this is advice that has probably gone around uh, the gamut a few times, but I think it's uh worth saying still that if it's something you want to do if you're talking about doing it thinking about doing it just take a deep breath and and do it jump in sit in the chair do whatever it is you're you're wanting to do and and just go for it and believe in yourself
0: great great words (laughs) of wisdom really you know um, Uh yeah believe in yourself for sure Um, Mm -hmm. so if if someone wanted to send book recommendations to you where would they send that to
1: um, they can, people can find me on social media. I try to be better about social media than I have been in the past. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, um, and my website, samladell.com. You can find my email on there as well. Okay. All
0: right. Great. So, uh, if you listeners would like to contact Sam, send her any book recommendations that you might have. Um, you can contact her on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or SamLiddell.com. Is that it? Sam Liddell? That's it.com? Dot com? Okay. Awesome. Well, Sam, it has been such a pleasure talking with you, and thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, that is all the time we have. I'm Anita Kelly. And thanks, listeners, for joining Liz Talk About Books, baby. Until next time, may your journey be lighthearted, peace be plenty, and be safe, folks.